0: Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live
2: right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you need prayer for or that you'd like to discuss. We are here to talk with you and pray for you and hopefully answer some of the questions you have. If there's something that's come up in your Bible reading that you're confused about, uh, give us a call. We'd love to talk through that with you. Uh, The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We want to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. You are hearing this show live today, and we also want to welcome those of you who are listening on the East Coast, on our sister stations, on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to the program. We're glad that you're with us today. Just a reminder that those of you listening on the East Coast and the area around Tennessee, you are hearing the program on a one-week delay. So just keep that in mind, but we'd love to hear from you. You can call in and Ask your questions, be prayed for, and then you'll have the opportunity the following week to listen to yourself on the air in your local area. We also want to give a big hello to everybody who listens online. We know there's so many of you, an increasing number of people who are listening on the website and on the app. So we have a great great SFM app. We really encourage you to go get that. So whatever device you use for your phone, your tablet, just go to the app store for that device and type in grace fm just one word and it will come right up you put that on your device and you'll be able to listen to this show and all the other great programs on grace fm wherever you are not just in the country but anywhere in the world and of course you can always just go in your browser as, uh, as well you can go to gracefm.com and pull it up and you can click the button to listen live there uh, i know that you know so many of us less and less uh, have radios in our homes And so if you're at home and you want to listen to the show, you can pull it up on your mobile devices or on your laptop through the browser. Anyway, we're glad that you have tuned in to the show today, however you've done so. We're glad you're with us. This is, again, is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you and pray for you. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. A few words about myself, I'm your host every Monday here on Calvary Live, and I am the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in downtown Longmont, Colorado. Our church meets at 700 Longs Peak Avenue, which is just right on the northwest corner of Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Streets. Right in the heart of Longmont. So we are just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue. Uh, There is a big city park there called Roosevelt Park. And our church meets just on the edge of Roosevelt Park. So if you know where Roosevelt Park is in downtown Longmont, if you know where Main Street is, you're very close to us. So 700 Longs Peak Avenue, we meet in the St. Vrain Memorial Building. And our service is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We have a great children's ministry. And we have a great uh, worship ministry. We'd love for you to be a part of what God is doing at Whitefields uh, in us and through us. Just exciting things going on right now. And feel like we're in an exciting season, a good place of growth. And we'd love for you to be a part of that. If you know other people in the area, uh, maybe you don't live in the area, but you know other people who do, send them our way. You can find out more information about us on our website, which is at whitefieldschurch.com. So it's Whitefields Church dot com, and you can also hear me on Grace FM every every weekday at two thirty p.m. Mountain Time. So every weekday at two thirty p.m. Mountain Time, and Sunday mornings at ten a.m. If for some reason you're not in church on Sunday mornings, tune in to Grace FM, you'll hear me at that time. And um, yeah, and I get to host this show every Monday, so it's a pleasure to take your calls and to answer your questions and pray for you. Uh we have all open lines still it looks like as those calls are coming in is now is a good time for you to call if you've had a question or something that's been on your mind or on your heart we'd love to hear from you give us a call 303 690 3000 303 690 3000 or you can text us at 720 336 0897 Well I'll tell you what's been going on with us at our church uh recently We just started a new series this past Sunday. We're studying through 1st and 2nd Thessalonians in our series, which we're calling Upside Down. And the idea with the upside down thing is that, you know, so many of Jesus' teachings were completely upside down and backwards compared to the way that people naturally tend to think. Um, You know, Jesus in a world where, uh, you know, that says, love your friends and hate your enemies. Jesus came and said, no, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You know, in a world that says, hey, never forgive. Jesus came and said, no, forgive just as you've been forgiven. And if you don't forgive, then, you know, maybe your father in heaven won't forgive you. And so... There there are all these things that Jesus said, you know, we, we live in a world where people think, hey, I've got, you know, one life to live. I need to get as rich as I can, accumulate as much stuff as I can. Jesus came around and he said uh, he told a story about a man who did precisely that. And he called that man a fool because he said that man did not make himself rich towards God. And so the point is that so many things that Jesus taught were so Opposite, so different than the way that people think. You know, one thing Jesus said. He said, "The rulers of this world lord over those who uh, who are in subjection to them." He said, "But it will not be so among you. Rather, the greatest among you will be the servant of all." And so he taught us these things. And what we see is that as uh, people became Christians, that their lives were turned upside down and not only their lives but whole communities and what I love about the Thessalonians is that if you read in Acts chapter 16 and 17 when you find the story of how Paul ended up in Thessalonica on his second missionary journey um, the thing that it says there in Acts 17 I believe it's verse 6 it says that the people of Thessalonica they came and they, they dragged the Christians, the new Christians, before the authorities and they said uh, these people who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And, you know, that's that reputation that they had. And I love that. You know, I think that we live in a topsy-turvy world, a world that in which so many things are backwards. They're not right. They're not the way they should be. And yet Jesus comes in and he comes in, and he starts turning everything on its head, but really, by turning upside down an already upside down world, what's he doing? He's setting all things right, and he does that in our lives as well. He comes into our lives and he turns us upside down he He sets things right, and uh, we all need that, don't we? We need that revolution in our lives. we need that revolution in our community. Uh, We need that revolution in our families, and our churches. And so what we're talking about in this series is the ways in which the Thessalonians, as they received the gospel, they began to live in this upside down, which is honestly right side up type of way. And so we saw in the first chapter there um, that the word of God came to the Thessalonians. And we looked at what it says there about the gospel. It says that uh, Jesus Christ, who raised from the dead, delivers us from the wrath to come. We we read about how the word of God went out through them. And I think this was interesting because even though they were brand new Christians, um, they were already spreading the gospel. We see that one of the things about the Thessalonians, Paul was only with them for like three weeks. And so as he was with them for three weeks, you know, he he probably taught them pretty intensely for those three weeks. But then he had to split town and leave. He He had planned to stay longer, but he had to leave fast because there was a mob that wanted to kill him. And so, you know, he leaves these believers just kind of being like, hey, guys, stick to the word, walk with the Lord, seek him, here are the things to do. And then he has to leave town. And so later on, we know that he sent Timothy to go visit the Thessalonians when they were in Athens together. And Timothy brings back this glowing report that, hey, these guys are doing awesome. In fact, it's not just that they're doing great and sticking with the Lord they're actually evangelizing and they've evangelized into a bunch of different places in their local region which is Macedonia and into Achaea which is the southern region of Greece and he goes on and he um he tells this amazing report, you know, Timothy does. And so Paul writes back and says, man, we've heard about your, your faith, that your faith is genuine and that it can be seen in the fact that it produces good works. We see that you have true love for God and it's shown in the fact that you have a labor of love. And he says, we see that you have true hope because in the face of persecution, you uh, don't give up, but you have endurance. And he just goes on to say all these things that the word of God is going out through them. And he says the word of God is also or the word is going out about you. In other words, they had a reputation that they were people who had turned from God or turned to the living God from idols. And so um, we see that it was just a great study. We're going to be continuing that study this coming Sunday in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 in which uh, he talks a lot about imitation. You know, it's been said that imitation is the highest form of flattery. And we're told many times that discipleship is essentially an act of imitation, right? It's imitating Jesus. It's following in his footsteps. And so. Uh, we're going to be looking at that this coming Sunday in 1 Thessalonians. Um, for a while, we were doing a topical study, and it's really good. I love being back in a verse-by-verse study. So if you are looking for a time to visit our church, this Sunday would be a great time. We're going to be studying 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, the first half, as we continue in this verse-by-verse study of the books of First and Second Thessalonians, our series called Upside Down. Here we have all open lines right now. It looks like some calls are coming in, but as we uh, get the info on those calls, we've still got some more open lines. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. And the text line is 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Let's go to John in Commerce City. Hi, John. Hi. Welcome to the program hey pastor
1: nick great show um just had a quick question Uh, my brother is a pretty devout catholic and they're always referring to different saints and they're always new testament saints Uh, i'm just wondering why like the catholics don't believe in old testament saints and only new testament maybe you have an answer for that
2: yeah that's a great question um I don't think that they don't believe in Old Testament saints, but when they talk about um, the saints, yeah, definitely they focus more on New Testament saints. Um, but I, would, I would say that probably they do believe in Old Testament saints just based off of Hebrews chapter 11, you know, or sorry, Hebrews chapter 12. It talks about this great cloud of witnesses right after it gets done talking about the Old Testament, what we would refer to as Old Testament saints, right? These are people yep. from the Old Testament who are believers, um, who, who believed in hope, right? They had hope, and then uh, they were redeemed after Jesus died and resurrected. But um, he talks about that great cloud of witnesses in chapter 12, verse 1, right after talking in Hebrews chapter 11 about these Old Testament believers. So I would agree with you that they do focus a lot more on New Testament, but I would say beyond New Testament, right? Because they focused a lot on um, on even post-testamental uh, saints, right? People who have become sainted or who have um, been beatified in the last 2,000 years. But uh, great question. You know, maybe there's some uh, Catholic person listening right now who could give us a little clarity on that. But yeah, I think you're right. You know, you notice a lot of things named after saints uh, in the Catholic uh, world, but yet not really much named after Old Testament saints.
1: And then just kind of a, a part two to that question as well is um, in the Old Testament, obviously Christ hasn't fulfilled the law yet, and um, it's impossible to keep the law perfectly. That's why we needed Christ. How would one be saved, a believer, in the Old Testament?
2: Yeah, this question is actually answered uh, very clearly in the New Testament itself. And um, the way that it puts it, this is found, I'll give you a couple places. One is very clearly in Galatians chapter 3. Another is, again, very clearly in Romans chapter 3 and 4 that talk about how was Abraham justified. And it goes back to the Old Testament. And then, so I give you those two passages, Galatians 3, Romans 3 and 4, and then Hebrews chapter 11, which I think sheds a little bit of light in an almost more indirect way, but it does shed light onto it. And so um, here's what these verses essentially say they are answering a question i think romans does it the best because what paul's saying is he's laying out an agreement almost like a a lawyer would lay out an agreement he's saying hey look the fact is that god is holy and we have all sinned and therefore fallen short of god's glory and then he says well he goes through his list of people first he says everybody needs what jesus did then he says in chapter two the first part he says Even moral people, right? So even people who are good people and who live upstanding lives in the eyes of the world, they also need the gospel because all people have sinned, even those who have lived the best lives. And then he goes on to answer the next hypothetical question, uh, assuming that someone would ask this is, well, what about people in the Old Testament? How were they saved? How were they, you know, how did they receive salvation? And the answer he gives is that people have always been saved in the same way that we are saved now. And I think that's a really, really important point because it undercuts something which is called dual covenant theology, which says that the Jews and even Old Testament Jews um, were saved in, in a different way than people are saved today. And what he says there, especially like Romans 3 and Romans 4, but particularly Romans 4, he talks about how Abraham was saved uh, not because of his works. He was chosen by God when he was still a pagan. Uh, He was called by God at that time. No, he was justified by his faith. And of course, he goes back to uh, the Old Testament to prove that point. So that that point is made, and again in Hebrews chapter 11, it's made in uh, Galatians chapter 3. So how were they saved? Um, to put it just in in our terms, apart from uh, you know reading these passages, you put it this way: the whole of the Bible is pointing to the fact that God is our Savior, that He is going to save us one day. But the question of the Bible is this: Is God uh, going to turn out to be a just God or a merciful God? And and here's why that's a question, because those two things are mutually exclusive. Mercy, um, this is why, for example, priests could never be kings in the Old Testament, because the job of a king is to carry out justice. The job of a priest is to mediate mercy. And mercy, you could define it as not giving someone the punishment that they deserve, Whereas justice is, of course, defined as giving someone what they deserve, whether good or bad. And so the question is, will God turn out in the end to be a just God or a merciful God? This is really the question that the Old Testament deals with. And, of course, it says that God is both, but yet it doesn't seem to make sense. How can God possibly be merciful without compromising his justice? And that an- that question is answered then in the new testament in the person of jesus where god is um pours out justice upon essentially himself of course and then by doing so he's able to show us mercy so the the justice of god is fully satisfied And then the mercy of God is able to be poured out. And the point is this. Old Testament believers would have hoped in and trusted in the fact that God is merciful to those who humble themselves before him, who trust his word and who obey him in faith, right? Because obedience is an act of faith. And so those who take God at his word, those who trust in him and hope in his mercy, they were essentially hoping that one day God was going to take away their sins once and for all and redeem them. Now they didn't know exactly how. Now clearly as time went on, that picture became more and more clear as to how God was going to do that. And so their faith went from God is going to do something to justify me uh, to God is going to bring the Messiah. As that picture became more and more clear as time got closer to Jesus and, and Jesus and God gave more revelation God is going to send the Messiah and he is going to do something to the point where we get to like Isaiah 53 and it's just laid out very clearly. Here's what the Messiah is going to do. He's going to die as a lamb, as a sacrifice for the sin of the people. Cool. Thank you, Pastor Nick. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, John. The great questions. And I, I do have some more information for you on those Old Testament saints. I'm going to uh, get to that right after our break. So stay tuned. All right, perfect. Thank you. God bless you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Taking your calls and texts today, we've got one open line. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. You know, just following up on John's question, there's one more thing that I would say. Check out. Luke chapter 16, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. We've talked about this a lot on in the past, and uh, I'd be happy to talk about it again today if we have a call on this subject, but how did people before Jesus' resurrection go to heaven? That's a really interesting question. Did they go to heaven or did they not? Um, and how did that all take place? What's the timeline of that? Um, I've written an article on that. You can check it out on my blog. It's called nickkady.org, N-I-C-K, Cady at o um, sorry dot org. That's the blog, and uh, you can just go in there and just type in "heaven" in the search bar right there, and that article will come up pretty quickly. You know, did believers in the Old Testament go to heaven before Jesus' resurrection? It's an interesting topic. But let's go to our next caller, Anne in Rush, Colorado. Hi, Ann, Welcome to the program.
0: Hi. Thank you for taking my call.
2: Anne, where is Rush, Colorado? It's
0: not Rush. It's Brush.
2: Brush. Well, Um, I don't know where that is either.
0: Northeast by Fort Morgan.
2: Okay, cool. Welcome to the program.
0: Thank you so much. My question is, how do we know when, or how does a person know when God is actually speaking to them and guiding them and giving them direction to do certain things? How do you know that it's not your own thoughts, or even so much as maybe um, a demonic play where you know Satan has tried to lead you astray even though it sounds good and it sounds right how do you how do you make sure that it's from God
2: yeah that's a great question and I can tell it's probably you know that's a a question a lot of people deal with not just in theory but in practice so thanks for asking that um I'll tell you a few ways that um, I think the Bible shows us and I'll give you some practical examples first of all I, I believe that God's not the author of confusion he is a God of order And i believe that he doesn't contradict himself because he's a God of truth. And so first of all I don't think that God is going to lead people to do things which are contrary to what he has already revealed in his word And so if you want to know The will of God of course the first place to start with is the Word of God and Then you know you want to check these leanings or feelings or desires you have against the Word of God right like I've talked to people before who are like oh, you know, I, uh, I have a total peace about cheating on my taxes or like about doing this or that thing. And I'm like, well, you might have a peace about that, but that peace is not from God because God doesn't contradict himself, right? So there's that, um, you know, God's not going to lead you into temptation or sin. The next thing is that you, I believe that we should be um, checking these things, With some counsel now that that doesn't mean you should ask everybody's opinion because a lot of people have differing opinions But it means that God speaks to us and confirms things through other people You know an example of this is like in Acts chapter 13 It says that the leaders of the church in Antioch were praying together And This word came and it says that there were prophets there in the church and this word came as they were praying together Now we don't know how the word came. We don't know if it was audible if it was just a silent Sense that some people had if it was a word of prophecy. We don't know it doesn't tell us that but uh, We know that as they were praying together There was this kind of confirmation where they were all in agreement saying yeah, we can see that this is what God's doing and I do believe that in an abundance of counselors, but the right counselors, godly counselors who really have your best interest, but who are also committed to being faithful to God, that's really, really going to help. So I would uh, include some other people in that. And um, I'll give you some. Oh, and to how do you know it's not uh, demonic? Yeah, good question. Here's the one thing that I think often gets left out of the discussion about knowing God's will. And that is this, that I think that if God wants us to know something, he's going to make that really clear. Like, again, I, he's not the author of confusion. And yes, yeah, sometimes he speaks in a small, uh, quiet voice, like, like with Elijah. Right. But at the same time, I believe that if God wants you to know something or wants you to do something, that he He is able and he is absolutely willing to make sure that you know that thing. And I'll tell you one of the ways that God has led me over the years when I've had to make really big decisions like you know I, I moved to different places and so i um I would sometimes have this sense I remember when i when I was praying about marrying my wife right it was and and when I prayed about moving here to Longmont, uh, there were these things where I'm praying about it God is this your will, and of course, you know I ticked all the boxes. It's not sinful. It's a good thing. You know, other people, I've prayed and talked with other people and gotten good counsel. And then the last piece for me a lot of times is this sense of like, okay, God, if I don't do this, you know, um, know, would I be messing up? And so oftentimes I've had this sense of like, I need to do this or else I will be not doing what God wants me to do. And it's that final sense of like, I must do this. Kind of like Paul the Apostle says, woe to me if I don't do this, right? Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. And so uh, I would encourage you in those ways, but um, let me pray for you and do that. So, Heavenly Father, I pray for Anne, and I just pray that as she's seeking your will about what to do in her life, Lord, make it very clear to her, Uh, Show her relevant passages. Lead her by your spirit to relevant passages in your word. Lord, give her confirmation through other believers. And Lord, give her a sense within, from your spirit within her, leading her and guiding her that this is what you want her to do, that this is not the leading of the enemy or that. But Lord, I pray that she would know your voice. I remember what your word says in John 10, that my sheep know my voice and they will not follow the voice of another. So Lord, I pray that you would help her to discern your voice as she seeks you in this area and we pray that in jesus name amen thank you so much you were very helpful i'm glad god bless you and thanks for calling in. thank you All you right, bet. bye-bye, bye-bye. listening to calvary live this is pastor nick katie from whitefields community church in longmont colorado taking your calls and texts live on the air the number to call is 303-690-3000 that's 303 303- six nine zero three thousand or text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven we have two callers on the line right now but i want to hold off on going to these calls until we go to our mid-show break which is in just uh 90 seconds from now and i'd like to take these last 90 seconds to tell you about a project we're doing several people from this show uh several listeners to this show have uh contributed and gotten involved in this outreach that we do every summer it's called project back to school and it is our outreach to children in foster care in uh, boulder weld larimer counties this area where we're at in northern colorado and what we do you know children in the foster system are really an at-risk people group in our own community and so what we've done is we've work together with health and human services in local counties around us and we've they've given us a list of 120 kids who are really in need of school supplies and clothing so that they're able to go to school and have what they need so that they don't drop out of school you know there there are high rates of incarceration pregnancy drug abuse etc associated with dropping out of school especially for those in the foster system so if you'd like to be involved with that uh, email us at info at whitefieldschurch dot com. That's info at whitefieldschurch dot com, or you can go to our website whitefieldschurch dot com, and it's right there on the front pl- front page. And there are three ways you can be involved. You can either uh, get a list from us and a name, and then you go to the store, buy a backpack, buy school supplies. Maybe as you're shopping for your own kids, you you buy one more set of things uh that you buy and that's one way to do it we'd love to give you a name and give you that list that you can do that with or if you're like hey i don't have time to shop we would just love for you to give us a donation so you can find more info at that email us info at whitefieldschurch.com or go to our website whitefieldschurch.com and get more information there about project back to school we are going to be back in two minutes time right after this mid-show break
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
2: Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. We'd love to hopefully answer some of those questions and talk with you and pray for you. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000 or text us at 720 336 Nine, seven. Let's go to Stephen in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Stephen. Welcome to the program.
1: Hey, thank you. Good afternoon, Pastor Nick. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I was listening to a message uh, yesterday, actually, on the radio, and this pastor was speaking of a um, good message, but he, he gave a quick little thing about uh, children that have been aborted, and he was basically talking about um you know, the baptism, being saved, how Jesus says, hey, you, you must be born again. And he's like, that's why, you know, children who are aborted don't make it. And yeah. then he, he just went quickly on, and he, he went on to the next thing. And that just it didn't sell right for me. I, that I, I always disagreed with that, because, you know, God's just, and he knows. And, but um, I don't know. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, we just did a
2: series, uh, our last series in our church, we dealt with uh, this question, in a little bit uh it wasn't the main focus of the message but it was like a side point in the message and so we actually even then wrote like a whole community group curriculum in which we delved into the issue and the relevant bible verses in fact we even made a video about it too as well so um you know what? If you give your email address to the producer after we get off the line, I can email you some of that stuff. And if anybody else is interested in that information, text us. Here's the text line: seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Send me your email address, and I'll email you this stuff. But here's what I believe on it: is this? Um, I do believe that there is such a thing as an age of accountability. I believe that uh, that that's a biblical concept, and I'll tell you why is that um a couple verses it um you know obviously there's the anecdotal story in second samuel right where where um, king david has a child um uh, through his adulterous relationship but then that child gets sick in infancy and um and dies and while the child is alive of course and and kind of in flux, like, is, is the child going to survive or not? David is praying for the child. And then when the child dies, David uh, says he washed his face and all his servants, they were all nervous. Like, David's going to lose it, like if this child dies, but he doesn't. And the answer David gives, they say, well, why are you not upset? He said, um, the child will not come back to me, but I will go to him. Now that that in itself is fairly vague, but it seems to be saying that what David believed was that his child was now with God. And of course, this gets to our prior question about what happened to people in the Old Testament when they died. Um, But then it would seem that he believed that he would go to where his child was, and he assumed that his child was in heaven uh, in his understanding of that, of course, so. That's one anecdotal way. I'll give you a few more things. Um, One of them is the fact that in Romans, if you read Romans chapter one, where it talks about the wrath of God, you'll notice that the wrath of God is always tied to the idea of disobedience and to knowledge. So judgment is always based on knowledge. And then, you know, that's also correlating in Deuteronomy, where it talks about infants not having knowledge of right and wrong. And so I believe you can make a case for this that would say that, um, yes, we all have original sin. And the question is, what is it that sends us to the judgment of God, right, or to hell? Is it original sin or is it rebellion against God? Uh, I believe that you can make a case for this, that what you see is rebellion against God is what leads to judgment based on the New Testament now we are all sinful we're all um of course from birth or even from the womb that's very clear the question is what incurs the wrath and the judgment of god and i think that as you look at it through the bible you're going to see that it is uh rebellion and disobedience against god now uh i i know that people might argue with this but this is how this line of thinking goes and i think it's um i think it's a good one it, it Certainly, I think honors the character of God um, when he talks several times about little ones and his uh, love for them and his concern for them. And, um, you know, you think about like places like in the book of Jonah, there's this very interesting phrase where it says that in the city of Nineveh, which we know was about five or six hundred thousand people, that it says there are a 120,000 who do not know their right hand from their left. And many scholars believe that that isn't just saying that these people are dumb. It's saying that there are 120,000 children, toddlers, you know, infants, and God has unique concern for them. And so, um, yeah, and I think this also gets into the question about what about people with uh, cognitive disabilities? You know, this is a really important question. People who uh, are born and maybe never develop the capacity to really understand right from wrong, or to choose God or rebel against God. Um, So I would argue that based on all these things, uh, for example, children who are aborted and uh, children who die in infancy, as well as those with uh, severe cognitive disabilities, will be um, shown mercy from God. So. I might have lost you, Stephen. I don't hear you now on the line, but uh, hopefully you heard my answer. And, uh, hey, thanks for the question, and God bless you. Bye-bye. Okay.
1: Thanks, Pastor Nick.
2: You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Let's go to our next. Well, let me give you the numbers to call in. We've now got two open lines. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Dustin in DeCono, Colorado. Hi Dustin, welcome uh, to the program. Hey Dustin. Dustin, is that you? Okay, or let's see. We also got Dwayne in Fort Lupton. Dwayne, how are you doing today? Welcome to the program. I'm
1: doing all right, Pastor. Uh how are you?
2: Doing great. What's up? Um I was listening on the
1: radio today, and a thought occurred to me. Um, When uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, during that 400 years of silence, uh, set up uh, an image after desecrating the altar with a pig Mm -hmm. in the Holy of Holies, and I was wondering, how did he get that in there if the high priest— could not go into the holy of holies except for once a year unless the spirit of god had been completely removed from israel
2: yeah that's a great question you know of course there's the uh, of course the fear of the jews was that if someone went in in a wrong way that god would strike them dead right um and clearly, that didn't happen, like you said. I mean, Antiochus Epiphanes. For those who aren't uh, familiar with the story, this is during the intertestamental period. This is the period uh, after Malachi and before Matthew, before in uh-huh. the in between the Old Testament and New Testament. The Jewish nation was had been overrun by. Um, it's kind of like uh, the they were. It's like a the Greek Syrian um, alliance. And they had a leader in that area called Antiochus Epiphanes. Now, Antiochus was really his name. Epiphanes means the enlightened one. And he considered himself God, and he went into the Holy of Holies. He slaughtered a pig on the altar of the Jewish temple, and he desecrated it and then declared himself to be God and demanded to be worshipped. In the end, God did uh, overthrow them. He used people to do it as opposed to just directly killing Antiochus Epiphanes, you know, he used people. There was a great rebellion called the Maccabean revolt is from this time, of course, that we get the practice of Hanukkah. Um, but did God allow it? Yes. I, I think that God did allow it. And I'm not sure of the reason why God allowed it, but I can have a few guesses. One of the things that I know was happening in Israel at that time is that um, people had become what we might call apostate. A lot of people had turned away from, um, a lot of people turned away from um, God at that time. And so what happened as a result of that whole situation is that the Jews came together. They overthrew that uh, regime that was over them, the Syrian Greek kind of coalition there. And then as they did that, the, uh, the next thing they did is that the people who came in after that were called the Hasmoneans and the Hasmoneans were, um, they were devout. They were Orthodox Jews. And it really led to a time, you know, leading up to the coming of Jesus, it led to a really great resurgence of, um, of Jewish faith and belief and Orthodoxy in Israel is during that time that the uh, Pharisees came about. And now we tend to think of Pharisees as like a really bad, like bad guys. But in a way, the Pharisees were the closest to Jesus in their theology and, and, and that's because their theology was actually quite good. Now, it was their attitudes, right? Their self-righteousness that was the issue. The way that they, what they did with their theology was wrong. But their theology itself was quite good, as opposed to like the Sadducees, for example, who had very bad theology and didn't believe in the Bible and didn't believe in resurrection and all this stuff. Um, so that really led to a time uh, that really set the w- set the way for Jesus to come into the world. You know, it was during that time that the Qumran community went out in the desert and they were copying the scrolls, which we now have as the Dead Sea Scrolls. You know, we believe John the Baptist came from that Qumran community and, and prepared the way for Jesus. And so there were so many good things that came about in the wake of that terrible event. And so did God allow that? I mean, ultimately yes why did he allow it I'm not sure but I can see a few good things that God did uh, in which he redeemed those bad things that happened. so as for why he did I think I'm going to have to ask me and you both we're going to have to ask God when we get there we'll have plenty of time to do that but um, those are my thoughts and suggestions
1: so it's also a possibility that this is going to be foreshadowing what we read about in revelations with the
2: correct yes
1: Right. Yeah, so with, with I'll that. just
2: speak into that. Yeah, you know, Daniel talks about the, the this event, and it's a real big question. Like, is what Antiochus Epiphanes did, is that the fulfillment of what Daniel spoke about, or is it not? Oh, it would be a partial fulfillment. Right, I, I do believe it's a partial fulfillment. In fact, I'd say, um, in fact, maybe it is the fulfillment, and here's why, because then later on, uh, it's talked about by Jesus in the... the Um, in all of that discourse right and of course in Revelation it's alluded to as well but they come Uh in and they say um, you know Daniel talks about hey there's going to be a guy he's going to come in he's going to abomination of desolation and then Jesus comes and he says no that still hasn't happened yet it's going to happen and this will be the abomination of desolation that Daniel spoke about so what that means is that Daniel's prophecy was fulfilled like you said in part or maybe a first time with antiochus Epiphanes, but jesus tells us that it is going to happen again and that will be the ultimate fulfillment of it oh thank you jesus for that yeah it's uh it's very interesting you know and this is true of a lot of old testament prophecies oh, okay. where they have uh, multiple fulfillments and you can see this in a lot of the old testament especially the minor prophets
1: All right
2: well thank you for taking my question i i try hard uh, I'm glad to see that you're a student of the word, Dwayne. God bless you.
1: All right. All right. Bye. Bye.
2: All right. You're listening to Calvary live. This is pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields community church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call three Oh three six nine zero three thousand three Oh three six nine zero three thousand or text us seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to our next caller. Dustin in Decono. Kono. Hi, du- hi Dustin. Welcome to the program. <laughs>
1: Hi uh Pastor Nick Katie. how are you doing today? Doing great. Um yeah, I I was just calling um I I had something happen uh, recently my one of my closest friends has um has started going to the like he started going to the Mormon church and and uh I just um uh, I just kind of, uh, I just was wondering what I should, um, what would you do if you, one of your really closest friends started going there and they, you know, it seemed like, if that seemed like they continued to want to go there and, but they also continued to want to have a really good relationship with you, what would you do?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that all relationships have boundaries and the, uh, way that some of those boundaries are going to be removed. Now, those boundaries are healthy, right? It is important that we have boundaries in our relationships. And they, and different relationships are going to have different boundaries, right? And so they'll, they'll even have stages, right? So let's say uh, clearly my relationship with my acquaintances are different in their boundaries than my relationship with my friends, my good friends, and ultimately my spouse. My relationship with my spouse has the least amount of boundaries, right? But there are still boundaries on like communication and these kinds of things. So I would just, you know, there are a couple things. First of all, I would really reach out to your friend because your friend knows that you care about him. And I think that you can reach out to him on this level and say, hey, brother, I care about you. I am worried about you. I don't think this is good. I really want to have some deep discussions, and I want you to talk with me about why I have reservations about the Mormon Church. I think that that is the most loving thing you can do, and I would hope that your friend would be open to that since you guys already have a relationship. But if it progresses and continues, I guess what I would have to tell that friend is, look, we can still be friends, but our relationship is going to change because we are not on the same level Say when it comes to duality, right we we've now changed trajectory you're going in a different direction than i'm going in and we can still be friends uh, i don't want to <laughs> consider you an enemy but i will consider you you know an unbeliever like and and how do we treat unbelievers do we shame them and treat them terribly no of course not right we treat unbelievers with respect And what we seek to reach out to them with the gospel because we are concerned for the destiny of their souls. And so you're going to just have to be really clear with your friend. I love you. I think you're wrong. Um, And this is going to affect our relationship, uh, whether we want it to or not, you know. So that would be, you know, and I would make it very clear to him that you believe that uh, if he goes down this path, he is not, going to go to heaven. He's not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. This is what the writer to the Hebrews did to the Hebrews. They had become Christians, and yet some of them were thinking about going back to Judaism. And he writes in this letter and says, Hey, look, if you have tasted of the Holy Spirit and then turn away from him, there's no way to be saved apart from Jesus, right? Like if you trample on the blood of Jesus, there's no other blood that can save you. And so I would, I would just say out of love, I would want you to be very clear with your friend. No, oh, yeah,
1: that's, um, wow. That's a good,
2: good point. I'm um, thank you for
1: sharing that. Um, and, um, of course I'd like to talk more about that, but, um, maybe at this point we can, um, you know, I, I really wanted to call my original intent to call was to, uh, just to get prayer, you know, and, uh, yeah. just. Just like for wisdom and um just to pray for me too that I can um you know just to follow the lord more and and have the wisdom to and be able- and also the love to be able to deal with because there's I have a lot of friends who are Mormon and jehovah's witness but i've never I've never had this happen to where one of my close christian friends where i yeah. who I would normally fellowship with like I had never had that happen to where they Not like this, like where one of your really best friends just all of a sudden starts going full on toward the Mormon church, you know?
2: (laughs) Sure, sure. Yeah, let's pray for you and pray for him. So Heavenly Father, we pray for Dustin and I pray for his friend. I thank you for their friendship and and how meaningful it's been over the years. But Lord, I pray that you give Dustin a lot of wisdom with how to lovingly talk to his friend in a way that will be received, in a way that will be heard. And we pray for his friend, Lord, that he would have his eyes opened to see that what's being preached there is a different Jesus and a different gospel. And Lord, we pray that you would bring him back to the truth. And Lord, whatever has got him going in that direction, Lord, help him to see the difference between the gospel and what the Mormon church is preaching. Lord, I pray that you would help him uh, to, I pray you help Dustin to reach out to him on a level where, he, where he'll, he'll receive it. And so, Lord, give... Wisdom to Dustin. Open the eyes of his friend. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Dustin. God bless you. Thank you. You have a good day. You too. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got nine minutes left in the show and all open lines. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303- 690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our text line. In the meantime, uh, one person uh, had written in in response to the question about saints. And like I told our caller earlier, asking about Old Testament uh, saints in the Catholic Church and what what their view is on that. um, The answer is this. I looked up a few things and we had a text message come in as well from Blanca in Longmont. And here's the answer. Um, there are over ten thousand saints recognized by the Roman Catholic Church, um, and that includes Old Testament saints. So, just the fact that they don't get talked about as much um, doesn't mean that uh, the Roman Catholic Church doesn't recognize them. And again, this isn't just um, unique to Roman Catholics. This is also uh, something that all Christians believe. You know, we we would say that those who are the word saint it literally means holy one. And those who have been sanctified and are being sanctified, right? That's how the Bible refers to believers. And so we talk about the Old Testament believers as Old Testament saints. We talk about the New Testament believers as New Testament saints. And we talk about ourselves. That's a really interesting thing because Paul writes uh, you know, in his letters and he addresses the Christians who are alive at that point. He says, you are saints. God has uh, made you his own. He has sanctified you by putting his spirit in you. And so um, that's the answer to that question. So I'm glad we could put that one to rest. Thank you for your call. And see, we have another text message that has come in. This person says, uh, my question is regarding 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Speaking of those who shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, he says, oh, it's kind of hard to read what he's saying, but he says, I would consider myself included in this. I wouldn't say I'm a drunkard, but I do like to drink beer. Um, but I'm trying to get to the point where I'm OK and just let it go. But it's a process. And it's something I've struggled with and battled with. Uh, he wants to receive Jesus and be sanctified. And he says, I don't know if that means that if I were to die today, would I go to heaven? That's a great question, and I, I hope our readers or our, all our listeners understood the question. Pete's saying, hey, uh, I like to drink beer. I kind of struggle maybe a little bit with drinking too much. I'm wondering if I fall in the category of those who 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 says will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Okay, well, let's look at that. And clearly, um, you know, the Bible does um, talk about this, but let's, let's read the verse. It says this. It actually begins in verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Okay, great uh, question and that is this um will you go to hell will you inherit salvation if you die today it sounds like you're struggling with um, perhaps alcoholism and and maybe i may be wrong in in reading that in kind of reading between the lines here um will you go to to hell you know that that is really a question where um i think again sometimes we ask the wrong question and of course i don't think will I go to hell is a wrong question. But I do think that one of the ways that we approach these issues is that we will often ask the question, you know, clearly define for me, please. What is a sin? What is not a sin? Is it a sin if I do this? Like, is it a sin if I have one beer, two beers, three beers? Like, at what point does it become a sin? Now, I often wonder, why do we ask that question? I, I think sometimes, right, in the right way, we could ask it because we want to not sin. And on on the other hand, uh, I wonder if sometimes we ask those kinds of questions because we want to know where the line is, right? Where the boundary is so that we can go right up to it and then not cross it, right? So we can get as close to the line as possible without suffering the consequences of sin and judgment. And I, I just wonder if that is the wrong attitude. I wonder what? What I would want you to ask, um, this person's name is Pete. What I would want you to ask Pete is this question. Uh, What would most honor God? What would most honor God? Would, you know, what actions, whether it's in regard to alcohol or anything else, what actions would most honor God and would most be in line with me being a disciple of Jesus and following him? See, rather than asking where's the line so I can try not to step over it, but I can still get pretty close to it. I want you to ask the question, what would most honor God? What would Jesus have me do? What would please him the most? And, uh, you know, that answer is going to vary for lots of people. But I uh, I just want you to approach this topic and every other topic with that attitude uh, rather than trying to find out where the line is Now. Question, you know, can you drink alcohol and go to heaven? My understanding is that, you know, Ephesians 5 makes it very clear that the prohibition is against drunkenness. And the reason for that is not just limited to alcohol. It's all intoxication because at that point you are no longer in control of yourself. You're being controlled by an outside force or a substance in this case. And he compares it there. He follows it up. And it's important to see this pairing there in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what he's saying is, do not be under the controlling influence of anything, whether that's a substance, an addiction, etc., or even an attitude. Rather, only be under the controlling influence of the Holy Spirit. And so, Pete, that is going to be my prayer for you, that that is what you would experience. It's being under the controlling influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I'm going to pray for you that God gives you the strength. It sounds to me like you want to set this aside completely and you're struggling. So before I uh, I pray for you, I'll just tell you this, Pete. I know there are some really great recovery programs. Calvary Aurora has one. Uh, themselves which uh, they run and uh, hopefully the producer can give me the information on that I'll read it out over the air but Calvary Aurora has a great recovery ministry for people struggling with addiction and there are others celebrate recovery is one that is done in a lot of locations around the area and around the country Um, but I believe it's called the most excellent way and they uh, have meeting times at Calvary Aurora and I believe in Calvary Brighton up in northern Colorado. And so I would encourage you to get involved with something like that in a community of people where you're going to have accountability and you're going to have people checking in on you and asking how you're doing and praying for you. But let me end uh, by praying for you here, Pete. Heavenly Father, I pray for Pete that truly you would set him free uh, from this struggle with alcohol and if it is at the level of addiction. Lord, I pray that uh, he would not be, um, that he would not be um, bound to this addiction, Lord, but that you would set him free. I pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that as he seeks to follow you, Lord, his question would not be, what is the most I can do without going to hell? But the question would be rather, what is the way that I can most honor God with my life? I pray that in Jesus' name. God bless you. Um, Thank you for tuning in today. You've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com, and I'll be with you again next week.
0: You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.